strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> The Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! If we were to start by listing things that are obsolete or no longer in the NFL, Ron Wolfley, what would come to mind? Um, neck rolls. Huh? <laughs> it's good. Sing- yeah. Single bar face mask, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, like goal posts in the front of the end zone. How about this, Paulie? Turf shoes <laughs> as an astroturf. Yep. Stick them dripping off players' arms, right? Lester Hayes. Shoulder- oh. How about shoulder pads uh, wider across than a Navy flight deck <laughs> like you used to wear back in the day? Oh, yeah, those are awesome right yeah. there, Paulie. I'd also have to say real eye black you just don't see a lot of that anymore (laughs) and there's an addition to the list Uh, may we suggest the word off season i mean what is this word off season there is nothing off about the non-game season that's what i'm calling it game season and non-game season because games ended on sunday and we are busier than ever on this edition of the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert we are santan ford paul calvisi and ron wolfley Think about it, right? Think about everything that has happened just in the last third, what, 48 to 72 hours since that game ended, since the season ended on Sunday. And we'll get to everything. But, Wolf, maybe just a couple of general takeaways. None of this, I'm guessing, is that much of a surprise. We knew when the final wraps were put on a 4-13 and season, there will be change, right? Yeah, Paulie. I mean, I think we all suspected that there could possibly be change um, with all the distractions, with everything that happened, with the injury situation being what it is. You did wonder that, hey, maybe it might be a situation where the organization looks at Cliff Kingsbury and his coaching staff and says, hey, listen, um, we realize a lot of things went wrong and a lot of things went sideways last season and there were distractions galore distraction after distraction Polly, that to me more than anything else made me think maybe there is a chance just maybe they'll give cliff and his staff another year to come back and fix the problem because um knowing bill uh bill belichick and knowing the type of coach that he is and the philosophy that he had he always wanted us to eliminate all distractions in our life, whether it was personal, professional, whatever it was, eliminate the distractions and don't bring them into the locker room. And, man, that's all there seemed to be last year. And that made me think maybe there might be a chance that Cliff and his staff will come back. But then on Monday, the announcement was made. It was officially official. Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime will no longer be with the organization. Here is team owner Michael Bidwell. 
We all thought that we would take the next step up after having achieved a playoff appearance last year. It didn't happen. The people in this room and our fans know all the reasons why, dating back to last year, that different factors that, that worked against us, still not an excuse. And we expected better. I expected better, and we deserve better. And he cited the San Francisco 49ers, who put a heck of a team out on that field with a third-string rookie quarterback. So, yes, injuries are part of the game. But a lot of the same issues and errors, self-inflicted errors that you saw at the beginning of the season, you were still seeing at the end of the season. And by the time the season ended, well, you had a 4-13 and campaign. And since you started 10-2, and Wolf, it's a team that has lost 18 of 23. So change was needed. Yeah, there's no doubt, Paulie. Um, it's very difficult for me. Um, I do believe that Cliff Kingsbury um, is a good coach. I do believe that Cliff Kingsbury ultimately will have the opportunity maybe to prove that someday. Um, for whatever reason, um, it just did not work out here. I think uh, coming in, Cliff Kingsbury had to change some things, and he really didn't change an awful lot. As a matter of fact, um, I think Cliff doubled down on uh, some of the culture he had already built here, and I think in the end, um, it came back to bite him in the butt. Yeah, when the Cardinals were at their best under Cliff Kingsbury, they were really running the ball. It was a balanced offense. It was a physical brand of offense, at least enough to keep a defense honest. You know, and there were a couple of curiosities, Wolf. I'll be honest. You go out week 15 with Trace McSorley, he throws it 45 times when James yeah. Conner averaged 5.3 yards per carry. Cole McCoy, week 16 to Denver on that third and one of the 34, a zone read with 36-year-old Cole McCoy. That, the risk-reward on that, right? And then, like, week 17 at Atlanta, David Blau, his first start since 2019. David Blau had 40 pass attempts when, again, James Conner was averaging five yards a carry. He had only got 16 carries. So... There were just certain trends, I, I think, that just never seemed to go away. Yeah, and not only that, too, Paul, I think the harsh reality, um, the harsh reality that the pendulum was swinging when Cliff came into the league, his new age offense, Paul, and the new way of thinking in regard to the game of football really was swinging to the right, man. It was swinging all the way up there. It was going to take over. It felt like it was going to take over the league, and... That pendulum has come way back to the center where it's more of a blend of the old and the new poly. And um, there's no excuse, I, I think, for the most part, and no reason why any culture for a football team should not include physicality in the line of scrimmage and running the ball and stopping the run. And I do believe that's part of the culture that got lost here over the last couple of years. And that's what makes this search so intriguing. You know, what sort of head coach and GM is the owner looking for? Here's Michael Bidwell. The search has started for both the general manager and for a head coach. We're going to cast the net far and wide. Uh, we are going to look at internal candidates and external candidates. We're not looking at particularly offense or defense. The preference is to get a general manager in place first, but if that doesn't happen, we're not going to be afraid to hire the right head coach. And um, I've already interviewed two internal candidates for general manager, Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris. I've also interviewed one external candidate, uh, and we've got interviews later this week. 
In fact, per NFL Network, they've already interviewed former Giants GM Jerry Reese. They've requested permission to interview Bears assistant GM Ian Cunningham, along with Niners director of pro personnel Rand Carthon. They also requested permission but were declined uh, by another member of that Niners front office, uh, Adam Peters. And then Monte Osenfort was also uh, a direct Tennessee director of player personnel, and they requested permission to interview him as well. Yeah, you know what I like about that, Paulie, for the most part, when you think of those last three names right there, the two gentlemen from the 49ers and then, of course, from the Tennessee Titans. Um, Boy, you want to talk about teams that have a culture. You want to talk about teams that are very, very physical. And in particular, I would say that on the line of scrimmage, for the most part, um, offensively and defensively, Um, two teams that really know how to get after it. And I wonder, Polly, if that isn't an indicator as to the direction in which Michael Bidwell in the organization may be moving in terms of culture, in terms of going out, and what they foresee as being important to them in the coming days and weeks. Well, Michael Bidwell was asked about urgency and whether he feels it in conducting this search. Oh, yes. There's an incredible sense of urgency. And uh, believe me, I've been uh, exchanging texts and messages and phone calls and, uh, and getting the input of a lot of folks and trying to get a 360-degree view of a number of candidates. You know, there is no fixed list at this point. I'm trying to cast the net as far and wide as I can. But there are four other openings between Houston and Carolina and Indy and Denver. So, And then we got the news about Sean Payton this afternoon about how Sean Payton and the Cardinals, while the Cardinals have requested permission to speak with a former Saints head coach, still property of the Saints. That's according to NFL Network. Now, he can't formally interview with any team until January 17th, but you can have conversations, and the Cardinals have requested as much to speak with Sean Payton. This is going to be really interesting, Paulie, to see how this unfolds, because you know that Sean Payton is going to generate an awful lot of interest, (laughs) and already has, at least reportedly. There are going to be teams multiple teams that are out there right now and you also have to wonder is it is is Jim Harbaugh actually in the equation right here for other teams it it appears as though he is getting some love he is getting some juice from some other teams that are out there right now could that be a name possibly if in fact this net is going to be cast very far and wide um could he possibly be a name I, I don't see that happening um, here, but it would be interesting to see if, in fact, they do speak with Jim. Well, he does have connections with the Colts, Jim Harbaugh, right? And ownership there is a former Colts quarterback. He does have connections with the new Broncos front office from some of the Stanford days, and some of those same decision makers who were at Stanford are now with the Broncos. So that is intriguing. You're absolutely right, Wolf. And As we know, and has been speculated upon, Sean Payton will require compensation to the New Orleans Saints. So, what is a Sean Payton? A proven head coach with a Super Bowl ring. What is culture worth to you? Because he does come as a self-contained, proven head coach. There's going to be a lot of discussion about that, and a lot of discussion about what Sean Payton really wants. If you Believe some of the reports out there. He's been doing homework on the Cardinals. And he's a Kyler Murray fan, quote, end quote, according to Tom Pelissero on the NFL Network. 
We continue with a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, somebody who I've really grown to like and appreciate, uh, just a great man. I, I've been around this organization my entire life, and I don't know any coach that has worked harder than Cliff Kingsbury. He has put in countless hours, and we had a good long conversation today um, in which I told him I, I, I'm really sorry because this is a tough decision, uh, but at the same time, it was a decision that needed to be made, and um, I wished it could have worked out better for him because in terms of putting in the effort, there's a guy that really deserved to have the outcome that we were all expecting. You know what's really strange? Here at the Arizona Cardinals Dignity Health Training Center. It's a big red rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Ron Wolf are there. Paul Calvi's here. When you're at the facility, Wolf, and you know this, and you don't see Cliff Kingsbury's Ford Raptor pickup truck, right? When yeah. you, It was always there. To the point where I'm like, did his battery die and that truck never leaves? He's the first one in. He's the last one out. Uh, Michael Bidwell is not kidding when you just talk about the sheer work ethic of a Cliff Kingsbury. Now, it's all about productivity in the NFL, and ultimately right. that was the deciding factor. But I, I think you would echo those comments. Yeah, no, Paulie. I, I am a Cliff Kingsbury fan. I really am. Um, yes, his philosophy when it comes to the game of football – was not my philosophy for the most part, but this is a guy that is incredibly smart. Um, And what I also appreciated about Cliff is he's humble as well. And you don't see a lot of guys that have that combination of being smart, really smart, and humble. And that's what Cliff was for the most part. I appreciate the fact that he wasn't dogmatic. He wasn't a Chip Kelly. I've spoken of this many times. He wasn't coming into the league and thought he was going to change the league forever. And we saw that in year one. When he came in the first half of 2019, Polly, he was running the air raid for the most part. He was running it. And suddenly it wasn't working. It was sputtering. So they moved to more 12 personnel, two tight ends, more of a power scheme. And suddenly they played better in the second half. He's, he wasn't trying to prove a point. He came in and, yes, he had a different agenda in terms of offensive football, but he came in and he wasn't trying to prove a point. He was trying to win games. And, by the way, Kyler Murray progressed from his rookie year to his second year to his third year. He got better every year. The first three years in the league, it was undeniable. Cliff Kingsbury and his staff, they were bringing along not only Kyler Murray, but also the entire team. That's why they got into the postseason. Yes, I understand they collapsed in the second half of the season in year three. And yes, I understand that postseason game wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. But they brought Kyler along, and they brought the team along as well. I just feel like this move, when you hear Michael said it was a move that needed to happen, For me, um, that speaks to Kyler Murray and believing whether or not Cliff could actually take Kyler Murray to the next level of quarterback play. And as Michael told the media, it's not as if anyone is hitting the easy button. Ten months ago, Cliff Kingsbury got a significant contract extension that will be paid off. In fact, Peter Schrager, NFL Network, had a conversation with Cliff Kingsbury Monday afternoon. 
Cliff. I spoke to him yesterday after he got the news. Actually said Mr. Bidwell was incredibly classy, brought him in, and they had an emotional farewell. Bidwell and Cliff had no beef by any means. If anything, Cliff really steadied the ship. I mean, once Mexico City happened and you had the situation with the offensive line coach and you come back and the general manager takes a leave of absence, you're talking about leadership roles being gone. And Cliff said, put it on me. I understand. And they hadn't won any games and they were going down this road. And I think Bidwell decided that for the better of this organization, let's just start with a clean slate. If you're Mr. Bidwell and you're, and you're looking at this, you're like, you must really want a clean start because you're eating that number. And if you're the fans, you've got to feel at least enthused that the owner isn't worried about, well, what's my wallet saying? He's going for this thing. Yeah, that's ownership money. That, that's not dead camp money. On, on, yeah. on, you know, That's ownership money. That's a sunk cost. That's called in business failing fast. You saw it after Steve Wilkes. You know, that contract was absorbed as well. Now with Cliff Kingsbury and that extension, same with Steve Kime. So obviously it says that when things aren't trending in the right direction, then guess what? The necessary moves will be made. In fact, speaking of, here's Michael Bidwell just on what it's going to take perhaps financially to find the best candidates. Well, what I'm willing to do financially is get the best coach and the best GM. I don't know the biggest name uh, correlates to the best coach. So I, I guess what I would say is I definitely want to make sure that we get the best coach and the best general manager for this team. We'll live with the financial consequences, and you guys don't have to worry about it. We'll take care of that. So we'll manage our way through it. And look, that's great. We know, we know all about this season. And, you know, you document it. It's very real. The off the field distractions very much played into the on field product. All you have to do is talk to some of the players. And, and, and a couple of them actually went on the record and said as much on Monday when they're cleaning out their, their lockers. Here's the thing, though you had a record setting five of the 10 teams that hired new coaches last year made the playoffs. Doug Peterson took Jacksonville from worst to first, Brian Dable made the playoffs. Kevin O'Connell, Mike McDaniel, Todd Bowles. So it's doable, right? These first-year coaches can make the postseason if you find the right candidate. Yeah, and especially, too, because I think the Arizona Cardinals could actually free up some cap space here, and there's a lot of free agents, of course, that are going to be leaving, and um, that really aligns with having a new general manager and a new head coach, whoever that may be, whatever the combination may be, and bringing them in here, trying to make some type of move from worst to first, whatever it may be. I think that's a possibility, Polly. But I will say this. When I listen to Michael Bidwell say, you know what, uh, to hire the best head coach and the best general manager, um, you know, so much of that makes me think of Kyler Murray. It, it, it does. And I know we're going to talk about this in, in a little bit more detail eventually. But for me, um, it, it is about, okay, what head coach has the best chance of actually reaching Kyler Murray and being able to take Kyler Murray to that next level physically and mentally of course, what's the best GM that might be able to put a team around Kyler Murray and taking him to that next level of quarterback play? He and the team. Well, when it comes to having a plan and what ownership is looking for, Michael Bidwell was asked about that. I think the key is casting the the net far and wide, uh, making sure that we've got somebody with a very good plan, with the right leadership skills uh, that can come in. Uh, not only at GM, but also at, at, at head coach, 
I don't, I don't know that we're as broken as maybe people think. I mean, our record is terrible. But when you, you look at the talent on this team, we've got a lot of talent. We've just got to make sure that they're all playing together. I go back to Hard Knocks and the locker room scene after the loss to New England and Cliff addressing the team when he said, and I'm quoting, this may be a fault of mine, but I'm going to treat you like men. So we have to hold each other accountable. Yet accountability seemed to be a persistent problem throughout the season. They tried to address it in the offseason. I think Hard Knocks, that's still my theory, was, was enacted to add another layer of accountability. Yet you just didn't see it. You didn't see the Attention to detail. James Conner talked about that with the media. You heard it in Hard Knocks in one of his speeches. is about the details, about locking in. So when you talk about culture, well, I think that's a byproduct of what the Cardinals are looking for. And, on, and Michael Bidwell said at one point, and I have it right here, he said, make sure you have a culture of a locker room that's focused on maximum effort. That yes, one Paul. begets the other. Yes, Paulie, culture, culture, culture. You know, Paul, how big I am on this. And culture is nothing more than a collection of definitive statements that you make about who you are and what you're going to do. Like, for instance, we're going to be the most physical team in the league. That is, that is what you believe. You're going to say it, you're going to speak it, and then you're going to try to fulfill that. We're going to be, you know, we're going to build our depth chart on the foundation of discipline. We're, we're going to practice the game of football hard. And if you don't believe in practicing football hard, there's a chance you're not going to be here. It's a collection of definitive statements about beliefs that you have and Man, I'll tell you, it helps you pick guys that are out there, whether you're in the draft, whether it's free agency. It, it, it helps the general manager in particular, and it's the reason why he's got to have the blessing of the head coach. But it helps that team go out and fill the roster positions that you have with guys who believe that stuff. You know, we have conversations with Drew Stanton at the stadium, obviously. He was on the Red Sea Report this week, Wolf, with Craig Grigolo, Kyle Vandenbosch, and he was asked about some of these young offensive head coaches. You know, this wave that you cited, right, the last few years, and yes. how half have seemingly failed, and, and according to Drew, the most important thing beyond the X's and O's is you have to be a great leader of men. So, whereas, yes, these are great offensive minds and game planners and play callers can you lead the locker room can you get the most out of your roster and that's what really separates those long-term head coaches who flourish from those who you know may not make it to a second or third contract so I thought that was intriguing in fact we'll continue to talk about Kyla Murray and what that means for the new coaching staff when we come back it is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert we are Santan Ford Let's start it out with Robert Downey Jr. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, empty set now for Murray. Three receivers right, of course it is. Uh, uh, snap to Kyler, looking right. Now back to the middle. Now runs to, uh, to the right. A lot of right here. Three right turns brings you back to the same place, I believe. All right, do uh, Morgan Freeman then from here on out. On this uh, one. Looking, still dancing around, pointing, still holding the ball like it's street ball in the backyard. He's still got it. Runs right to the 10. Cuts left to the 5. And he's gonna score. 
All right, do De Niro now. Oh, my goodness, huh? Huh? Kyler Murray on that play, on a play that took about a minute, somehow gets to the end zone for two points. This is the entertainment capital of the world, and I don't think I've ever seen a two-point play as entertaining as that, huh? All right, huh? now, with Wolfley stepping in here, do Mel Kuyper. Uh, I'm talking about I had never seen that, that before in my life, and I've had a tremendously long life. Somebody tell me how long that play is. Hey, hey, you know what, Kyler, sit down and do the Yoda right now because that <laughs> is unbelievable. And listen, I have heard a lot of things in my life, but what in the world is do the Yoda? I mean, talk about a guy who. <laughs> sometimes why? It is episode 55 of the Dave Pash podcast, and it dropped today. Okay, a fresh pod. It's so good. Fresh Frank Caliendo. Oh. The singular, the incomparable Frank Caliendo, all his voices, all the comedy. I mean, he puts the entertainment and infotainment, put it that way. It's uh, great stuff wherever you get your podcast, on Twitter, at PashPod. And, uh, yeah, Wolf, uh, let's just say you're impersonated at some point during the pod. Yeah, okay. Frankie, you got to work on that, okay? I've heard kids do a better job than that. But, Frankie, all the other voices, <laughs> nails. <laughs> It's uh, great stuff. And you know what? It's a perfect anecdote coming off a long season, is it not? So uh, go ahead and check out the Pash Pod. Uh, as for the Cardinals, and, and you heard Kyler Murray in the reference right there, look, I agree with you. You know, there, there are reasons why head coaches are replaced. And we've heard Michael Bidwell tick off some of the reasons in the past over the years, right? If you're not competitive within your own division, for example, um, you know, maybe a head coach might lose the locker room, uh, leadership. Hey, it, it could be for your fan base or for sponsors. You got to restore hope. Could be all of the above. But ultimately, when you have a young franchise quarterback who was offensive rookie of the year his first year, and then he a Pro Bowler his next two years, but ever since the playoff loss, hasn't quite been the same. That is where it starts, does it not, Ron Wolfley? I mean, anybody who gets the GM and the head coaching job better have a plan in mind for Kyler Murray. Yeah, Paulie, that is job one. It's got to be job one right now. You've invested so much uh, time, of course, and money into Kyler Murray and $230 million contract, of course, and he was getting better from his rookie year to his third year. My goodness, Paul, we've talked about it many times. The, The advancement, the development of Kyler Murray seemed to be on track, and guess what? So did the wins. And then year four came around, and, man, there, there was a step back for Kyler Murray right now. And I do believe more than anything else, it's that step back that ultimately got Cliff and his staff out of here. And now we're here where we are looking for a replacement. Those replacements, whether it is a general manager or a head coach, whoever you bring into the organization to get this right, They have to fix Kyler Murray first. They have to be able to reach Kyler Murray first. And, Paul, the first guy that has to do that is Kyler Murray himself. He's got to be personally responsible for his own development. Look at himself. Take off the rose-colored glasses. Look at himself and say, man, as a player, I can get better, and I need to get better. I need to advance my development And I think a lot of that development has to do with a blending of the old and the new. And you've heard me talk about it for years. 
And we'll see what the head coach has in mind. I'll give you a few thoughts and what a few people have said about that. But Michael Bidwell, when meeting the media, was asked about Kyler Murray specifically and whether he would have a say in this process. We're in communication and uh, and absolutely want to get the input of uh, our leaders, uh, including Kyler, and spoken with uh, a number of leaders already. Input. Not a say in the decision, but some feedback, some input. Hey, maybe even a conversation with a prospective head coach who makes it to the final stages. I I could see that. But ultimately, this is going to be a decision made by those in the front office. And and when they do, they're going to be looking at a Kyler Murray who, at least, Wolf, if you think back to when he first landed on the scene out of the draft, how do we talk about Kyler Murray? We talked about him as a pocket quarterback or at least a passing quarterback who can run. Not a running quarterback who can throw at times. Yeah. And so I think there's still this misperception out there about Kyler's abilities to dissect a defense with his arm, with his mind. Now, we didn't see enough of that this year, obviously, and to me the real regression was in the lack of downfield passing attack as compared to the last couple of years. But you've seen like what the 49ers do, how they can win with a rookie third-string quarterback, when you build everything else around that quarterback so the entire offensive game plan isn't solely dependent on the performance of the QB. Yeah, Paulie, and you know, it was interesting, too, um, not to bring in Sean Payton once again because we are going to talk about that, but, you know, Sean Payton, when asked what he would do with Kyler Murray, of course, he was talking about bringing in an offense where he was under center more And he was going to run the play action that goes with all of that. Those are the bootlegs, the waggles, of course, the seven-step drop right in the pocket with play action, throwing the ball. But it wasn't just about that. It was also about running the ball. He was talking about running the ball. This is I don't care who Michael goes out and hires and brings in. Because the guy is going to run that kind of offense. I don't care if it's a general manager, if it's a head coach, wherever he gets them from. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. The evolution of this offense, Paul. Moving him around from shotgun to pistol to under center and doing it um, consistently and then running the plays that come with that. That's the next step I see for Kyla Murray. This is just my opinion right now, but I, I think that's exactly where they're going to try to take him. And you know what? Michael Bidwell was asked about Kyla Murray and coming off the knee injury and what that means for this team when he's healthy again. He's going to recover from this injury, and, and we're going to have uh, a great player come back next year. And so I think it's really important for us to make sure that we, we don't lose sight of that. And let's not lose sight of 13 months ago we're the hottest team in the league just 13 months ago. And so you've, you've all seen it. There are teams that have been down a few years ago uh, that have flipped around and now are in the playoffs. So I feel like we can be a quick turnaround. We've got to get the right head coach, the right general manager in here. You, know, you mentioned those comments, Sean Payton talking about Kyla Murray, and it goes back to September. It was on the Cowherd Show, and I have the quote here in front of me. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but you're exactly right. He talked about developing a better running game under center, hand the ball off to another really good player, You know, a few more layups, he called it, Sean Payton, for Kyla Murray, which is something Kurt Warner has talked about, trying to get some of those easier throws. And then, and then he said, Sean Payton, when I need those plays that are singularly Kyler, they're going to come spontaneously, yes, like third down or red zone. And you know what I thought of? And you can, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. 
This team under Cliff Kingsbury was at its absolute best during that 7-0 start week four at the L.A. Rams. And what did they do? They ran it 39 times for over 200 yards, and Kyler was killing that Rams defense on plays like when it was third and 14. Right. And he just organically ran for 16. Right. And it deflated the entire Rams defense. It was the combination of all of that. They, and, and that's where the Cardinals, to me, were at their best in the Cliff Kingsbury era. Yes, no, Paulie, you're, you're all over this. And see, that's exactly what I believe as well. I've talked about this many, many times. What you hear Sean Payton saying is, you know what, listen, if you build your offense around Kyler Murray running the ball, if that's what you're doing, you're calling his number and building your offense around him running the ball in order to be successful you're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> you are. What you need to do is allow him spontaneously to actually use that talent. Well, one of the ways to do that is get him out on the edge, man, for the most part. Get him out on the edge with a boot, with a waggle, whatever it may be. Let him pull the ball down, of course, and convert with his legs. That's where you want Kyler Murray running the ball. You don't want to... to call Kyler Murray's number in terms of, hey, let's run quarterback power right here. Let's run a ton of, of zone reads where the defense can actually dictate what Kyler does with the ball. If, yep. you want it, if you want Kyler Murray running the ball, you can actually dictate it based on the zone reads and defensively what you do. So uh, I think it's got to be a use of Kyler Murray spontaneously with his athleticism and not a lot of called runs, and so does Sean Payton, believe that. Doesn't look like Lamar Jackson is going to play in his playoff game. Jalen Hurts has been banged up. Justin Fields, we know what happened to Cam Newton after all those hits running quarterback power, right? Defensive coordinators adapt. They have figured out how to defend that at this point. Hey, join the season ticket priority list. Select your seats before the general public. The opponents next season include the Seahawks, Niners, and Rams, plus the Giants, Cowboys, Ravens, Falcons, and Bengals. Just go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for all the info. We continue with a Big Red Rage. Have me as Jack Nicholson and then Wolf uh, uh, as Stephen A. Three receivers, Judy DeWright, back to throw, ripping, hit, and sacked. Absolutely mauled by J.J. Watt at the 48-yard line. That's like turning around and all of a sudden Jaws is there, ready to swallow you up. Like I just did right there. Who is this? I Stephen. I have to say, I don't even understand what's going on right here. Jack Nicholson almost inhaled me, which probably has been said before. How about that right there? J.J. Watt gets turned loose by the right tackle. The Cardinals bringing in all sorts of gas right there. And J.J. Watt, the, uh, the apparent benefactor. Uh, freshly posted Pash Pod starring Frank Caliendo. He's reenacting. Real play calls from you and Pash, Wolf. So, no way. How does that feel? Those are real word-for-word verbatim play calls in just various celebrity voices. So, you know, what's well, your honestly, reaction to the, that? The amount of talent that man has is is just stunning. <laughs> I mean, Oh, he, my goodness. Just so entertaining. To hear a struggle behind the mic all these years, and he just comes in and lights it up. And then, you know. <laughs> A half hour, he kills it, and then he just goes back home. It's unbelievable. Right. It's uh, So the Pash Pod is out, and you can find it wherever you get your uh, podcasts and then on Twitter via at Pash Pod. 
Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and a new look Arizona Cardinals team as uh, there will be a new head coach. There will be a new GM. In fact, Michael Bidwell was asked about, okay, how do you go ahead and uh, delegate roster control? And there's always that favorite question of, you know, who's in control of the roster. It's, it's when you look at it, pretty much every team around the league, except for just a few exceptions, there's a real um, partnership between the general manager and the, and the head coach. And I think that's, that's what we're looking for, rather than trying to dictate something up front. And there are assets. I mean, you know, when he said, okay, um, and, and we'll hear this a little bit later just about, okay, the state of the team, I mean, Wolf, if, if you can go ahead and address the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, then, you know, this to me could be potentially a fairly quick fix, depending ultimately on the health of Kyler Murray. Yeah, Paulie, I, I think that really is the rebuild for the Arizona Cardinals on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball right here but i just want to go back quickly to what michael was talking about right there sometimes the general manager and the head coach is the same person <laughs> that's yep. all i'm saying paulie can and that be. makes pardon can be you're right absolutely yeah. and that makes roster control very very simple right there but you know going back to it paul i mean once again um yes they've got to be on the same page that's imperative if you are going to have a general manager, and a head coach, um, they've got to be symbiotic in how they view the game of football, how they see the game of football being played, that culture that we talked about. That's why I think it's important that Michael, if in fact it's not going to be one person that fills the head coaching job and the general manager, if it is going to be somebody that he, he'll hire, whether it's – inside the organization or outside the organization, I think it's important to get a general manager first. And he has specified that he'd like to do it that way. It doesn't mean it's going to happen that way, but he'd like to do it that way. And I think that way you get a guy who's looking for the same type of culture in his head coach. So you hire the GM, and then it makes it a little easier to go out and get that head coach because you got two like-minded individuals. And once you identify and hire those two spots, those two positions, uh, well, then the question becomes, all right, what needs to be improved first? Here's the owner, Michael Bidwell. I think the number one thing is we need to really make sure that we're getting the most out of those players and that the players are uh, 100% committed to making sure that we do everything we can do. And I've been speaking to some of our leaders, and uh, they're, the, we want to make sure that we've got the culture of that locker room, the culture of our uh, organization, really focused on maximum effort and making sure we do everything we can do to win the NFC West. Once again, I, you know, players went on the record and they said it on, on Monday, packing up their lockers. There have definitely been too many distractions. And so it's, you know, less is more. And it really started with the offseason in January a year ago, whether it was the contract negotiations, everything going on, the tragic passing to Jeff Gladdy. We don't have enough time to go through everything that was off the field that impacted on the field. So if you can go ahead and you can dial that in, Wolf, and then try and figure out, okay, what – places need addressing. For example, DeAndre Hopkins. Already there is a lot of speculation that D-Hop might be on the trade block. What says you when it comes to that question? Yeah, Polly, it's it's a great question. You know how I feel about D-Hop. Um, I love the guy. Um, 
30 years old right now and still has value. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to receive and probably are receiving a lot of phone calls about DeAndre Hopkins and his future right now. There's a lot of value there. I I would imagine they're going to get multiple teams with multiple phone calls on DeAndre Hopkins and what they're going to do there. I do not know. But you know when you're in a rebuild, and yes, I don't think it's a full-on rebuild of the entire team, not when you've got your franchise quarterback, but I do believe on the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively, as we discussed earlier, that's where they're going to focus their attention, a lot of it, on this rebuild. You know, at some point in time, D-Hop, with all the value that he has out there, somebody's going to offer you something that's a little bit too good to turn down and for what is i think that's gonna happen i i agree i I really do he's missed 15 games the last two years Uh, and you know what if you can sell high maybe even get a first round pick i think absolutely you do it maybe he knows as much he posted a picture of himself in a cardinals uniform on social media with the words quote forever grateful dot 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 almost as if he's turning the page he does have a no trade clause so maybe the feeling is mutual, that it's the best fit for both sides. All we know is that there is going to be change. And at the end of this season, here's a story from Mike Garofolo, NFL Network reporter about Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris going into the Cardinals' locker room with a couple of games to go. I do want to say something about Wilson and Harris because both of those guys addressed the team in a meeting within the last two weeks I am told with the message of, hey, we're coming down the stretch here. You guys need to work, and we need to work too. They may blow up the whole thing, but if we're moving forward uh, as the general managers or one of the two of them and, and, and the other one still maybe perhaps in place, we want to see guys that are willing to put in the work around here. So this feels like a time where a change in culture is much needed for the Arizona Cardinals, and I know that that was taken two different ways by the players in the room. It sounds like some guys were a little perturbed by it, But other guys, some veterans who have been successful around the league, said that needed to be said. So they appreciated the message Mm. from Adrian Wilson. He's got a shot, uh, as well as Harris, to keep the job there as the general manager going forward. And if so, look for culture to be a big thing that he's looking to push forward and to change in Arizona. And you know what? Maybe that was telling. Maybe they're looking for guys' reactions because if you were perturbed by being asked to do your job at your utmost, then guess what? Maybe you are part of the problem instead of part of the solution going forward. Man, Paulie, you should never be um, upset that somebody would walk up and challenge you. That's exactly what leadership really is, in my opinion. I, I'm sorry. It is, it's not screaming, rah, 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 we're going to hit them high, hit them low, fight, 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 fight. It's, it's not that. It's, it's about being accountable. First of all, you being accountable, holding yourself to a standard you'll never hold any of your teammates to. You be accountable to that level. And then, because you go about your business in the right way and you, you, you engage in the essence of the game of football, then... After holding yourself accountable first, you're able to walk up on your teammates and say, dude, man, this isn't who you are. What are you doing? Because you're out there making mistakes and you're killing us. You have to hold your teammates accountable. But the only way you can do that, Polly, is to hold yourself first accountable. 
Look at the Lions and the Detroit Lions turnaround and the sort of player they've tried to bring in. We're not talking necessarily skill set, but mindset. Yes. And there's a real distinct difference as to maybe what the Lions used to pursue in terms of a player and what they've currently been going after. Obviously, Dan Campbell is more of an old-school, in-your-face type of head coach, but they want that mentality in that locker room that has enabled the Lions in their woeful ways to turn it around and have quite a finish to the season, and it looks like a pretty bright future. Oh, my goodness, Paulie. I'm so glad you brought them up because that is Exhibit A of what culture can truly do for you. I, I, I think of Dan Campbell, of course, Chris Spielman as well, who is integral inside that organization in the front office. Doesn't really have a position. Like He's not general manager. He's not the director of player personnel. He's not the president. He, he's just a guy who's walking around, basically, and he brings that culture with Dan Campbell, and they demand it. Of everyone they bring in the organization, Paul, you better be tough, you better be physical, or you're not going to do well here. Hey, it can be done. Brian Dable just led the Giants from 4-13 and to the playoffs. Yes. With Daniel Jones, who was taken behind Kyla Murray. And, oh, by the way, you know what the Giants had to deal with this year? A staggering $55 million in dead money. And they were still able to get to the playoffs for the Incredible. first time since 2016. Special thanks, as always, executive producer Jim Almohandro, technical director Lauren Koval, Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.